Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and I want you to go over to... Uh, oh, can somebody run those to Miss Carol? Thank you. Guys, if I can trouble you, I'm going to have you go ahead and go sit down. I'd, I'd hate to get excited and run over somebody. So, <laughs> Well, as John was sharing the story, um, as John was sharing the story, we were passing by here when we were pastoring in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, <clears throat> and we drove by one day, 10 years prior to coming to church to be, to be the pastors, and I told Andrea, I said, now I'm going to tell you this so that you won't say that I'm lying when, I, when it does happen. I said, I'm not, I'm not telling you that it's going to be tomorrow. I have no idea when. I said, but uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, we're going to pastor that church one day. And I said, I'm just telling you ahead of time. Well, I don't know if you know the whole story, but we, it was 10 years. We were in Hot Springs. We went overseas to be missionaries in Scotland. We came back, and we were actually interviewing for a church in New Zealand and bought the plane tickets and the Lord just stopped it and then all of a sudden I'd, I'd never stepped foot in this church I didn't know anything about this church we had three phone calls from different individuals leaders in the in the district said hey I believe you need to be at crossroads I believe you need crossroads I'm like I'm going to New Zealand have you seen New Zealand <laughs> But the Lord orchestrated it, and we stepped in here, and what a wonderful, wonderful thing that the Lord has done. We love you. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world but here. New Zealand does not compare to God's will. Amen? So thank you, thank you. What an enormous amount of change that is taking place in our life. Three kids. Uh, all grown and married and, and gone now. Four grandbabies that uh, followed in their, in their path. And God's just been good. Amen? Now, when I came here, I don't know that I was any better looking, but I did have dark hair. I don't know what uh, uh, the, next, uh, the next 10 years is going to hold. But uh, thank you for being here. Shh. Get out of that demon. <laughs> Take your Bibles with me, if you will. Let's go to Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Hebrews, the eighth chapter this morning. Thank you, thank you. We love you and appreciate you. We would love for everybody to come over. And uh, we haven't met you yet. We want to meet you. Um, if we just met you once or twice, we want to get to know you. Come over next door. We're going to enjoy uh, a meal together. And thank you for being here today. I want to look here. We're going to, we're going to wrap up Family Matters today. And uh, probably next year sometime we're going to circle back around to Family Matters because, folks, family matters. Amen? And I'm hoping before you leave this house today that I'm, I'm not going to give so much the do's and the don'ts, and we've had some of that. But I want to talk to you about the value of the home and how important God believes the value of the home is. So, as we look here in Hebrews 8 and 5, Father, we come before you and just ask God for your help. Lord, I just thank you for this beautiful body of believers. I thank you, Lord God, for each and every one. Lord, for the, 
But, Lord God, allowing us just to do life together, Lord, it's, it's a, just a privilege and an honor and a blessing to be here. And, God, I just, I know, Father, that, Lord, you could have put us anywhere you wanted us. But, Lord, we thank you that you brought us to Greenville, Texas. And, Lord, thank you for the privilege of being a part of this family of believers. And, Lord, I just ask today, God, that you would reach down and touch hearts today. Mm. Pray, Father, for some transformation, Lord, for some hope to be infused in some hearts today. In Jesus' name. Hebrews 8 and 5. I want to read out of the Passion Translation. It says, The priests on earth serve in a temple that is but a copied, modeled after the heavenly sanctuary, a shadow of the reality. For when Moses began to construct the tabernacle, God warned him and said, You must precisely follow the pattern I revealed to you on Mount Sinai. So, we think of in our own natural mindset, and you can go ahead and admit, like I will sometimes, we, we forget that there's a heavenly pattern for an earthly reality. There's a heavenly pattern for an earthly reality. And many times we think that, okay, Lord created the, the, the tabernacle, the temple, the, the house of worship uh, in, in, in Moses' day during the, the exodus. But he somehow formulated it here on earth, and then there was one in heaven that mirrored it. But it's not the truth. The fact is, God created the, the, the one on earth or gave instructions how to build the one on earth that reflects the pattern of what already existed in heaven. So it stands to reason that you and I should build the house according to the heavenly pattern, not according to the earthly pattern. Are you with me? We build the, the heavenly, the, the, the tabernacle of worship, which we're going to relate also to the home today, not, not to abuse the scriptures in any way, but that the sacrifice was laid upon. So I believe that every house needs to a, a place of understanding that we live in the completed work of Christ. Amen? We want to go win the world. Let's start with a home because that's where the enemy has started. That's what the enemy wants to destroy. If he can destroy the home, he can destroy the nations. He can tear down civilizations if he can destroy the home. And folks, it's time that we stop... Before we get the, the, the dreams of the grandeur of winning the world, let's win our house. Let's be ministers in our house. Let's be men and women of God who you see on the outside are the same you see on the inside. There's no duplicity between what goes on behind closed doors and what happens outside in the public. Amen? If we believe in the completed work of Christ, we're going to live as such. We need a labor. That labor was there that the priests would wash themselves. We need the washing of the water of the word. We need the wash. We need daily to get into the word of God. You know what? I take a bath on Saturday whether I need it or not. I'm not allowed to go to bed without a shower. <laughs> it's one of those things that I never want to do, but always glad I did. I can't rest unless I shower. You can, you can sleep in your bed however you want, but I'm going to sleep on clean sheets. Amen? But see, the same thing happens in the world. We get in the world and we don't understand that our thought life can become tainted. 
our perceptions, our behavior. We need the Word of God to cleanse us. This is not the message, this is the intro, but I want you to hear it today. We, we need a table of showbread. we got to know where our provision lies. Amen. We need a table of showbread. The Lord said, I'm going to build one in heaven, and I want you to emulate it on earth. I want it to replica on earth. We need a table of showbread. We need to teach our children that God is the provider. Amen. He's the nourisher of our soul. We need the lampstand. We need the revelation of God's spirit evident in our life. We need to have a relationship with the living God so that when people see us, they see a light on in the house. Amen. I know the old saying, the light's on, but nobody's home. We need to light on with somebody home, amen? We need that altar of incense, that place of reconciliation where we intercede with God. See, intercession, folks, is more than just a, a prayer life. It is a way of life. Intercession is the reconciliation between us, man, and God is to say, I know what the world has called you and says that you are, but I declare to you, this is what the Word says you are. This is who you are. We see there the most holy furnishing in the, all the house of God that we're going to get into deeper depth here in just a moment was the Ark of the Covenant. That is God's throne room on earth in that time. Because the Lord said, that's where I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you there. Hold that thought for just a few minutes. See, the home church is meant to be more than what the world says it is. It's meant to be patterned after God. You know, to pattern something after the Lord, you've got to do things that are contrary to what you're used to doing, what you were maybe raised to do. You know, preferring the other. <laughs> the greatest among you shall be your servant. Amen? I mean, fathers, the greatest among you, if you're going to be the greatest in the house and lead your family, you've got to be servant of all. You've got to serve your family. You've got to lead, feed, and protect because you want them to be secure. And, and you, you go into that knowing it's not about me, it's about them. But, folks, the home is meant to be a sanctuary. A sanctuary where you come in from outside and you close the door and you've got a place of rest. You get, you've got a place where you can walk in in the, the turmoil of the day and things that are going on outside are not, not in your house. It's not in your, your place. You walk in and, and there's peace. There's peace and rest. There is a place where you walk in out from outside and it's a place of security. That you're not, your children are not looking around the corner wondering what kind of mood mom is in, what kind of mood dad is in. It's a place, it's a sanctuary, and maybe you weren't raised in that environment. I understand full thing without him. But you can do all things through him. Amen? Every marriage ceremony that I perform, I say it out loud. I, I, I declare that marriage should be a heaven on earth kind of experience. Young ladies, don't settle for anything less. Young men, don't settle for anything less. Doesn't mean that it just rolls out. You've got to cultivate that field in order to get it to grow, but we understand as we step into the home, it is when God infuses his goodness inside of you. Amen? See, that's the place. See, in anywhere there is a home for God, that home becomes an extension of his throne. 
that anywhere there is a home for God, that home becomes an extension of his throne. I'm going to talk to you for a little bit about the value. Now, you've heard home is where the heart is. I'm saying to you, heart is where the home is. Heart is where the home is. Now, <clears throat> in the beginning, God created a home on earth, not just for man, but for himself and man. We think about Eden as God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We think about that as being their home, and it was. But it was also the home of God on earth. It was a place where God occupied, where he walked with Adam in the cool of the day, and they conversed, they had a relationship. But there was an adversary. There was one that came in and wanted to disrupt that relationship. And still today, the, the same M.O. is there. His desire is to disrupt and destroy relationships. He wants to start in the home. He wants to, he wants to expedite and encourage political ideology that will foster that destruction of the home. We find out in 1848, there was Karl Marx, that he, in his Communist Manifesto, you can find this online, his Communist Manifesto, it says to abolish the family along with the hallowed cohabitation of parent and child. The intent and purpose is to destroy the family unit. If you look around, it's as simple as this. You think about what's going on in the world today. It is the destruction of the home. Because if you can destroy the home, you can destroy the nation. If you can tear down the family structure, have individuals in there that are misidentified, if you can have the disruption between that, that husband and wife, marital unit, if you can cause that chaos, you can begin to destroy that home. An ultimate goal is to destroy the nation because the home is where the Lord wants to abide and where ministry is thrives is in the home and the education and identification comes out of that house. And we see here there's a diabolical desire to destroy the home. The Lord planted that garden in Eden and he created man in his image. In the image of God created them. Male and female, he created them. And he said, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply and feel and subdue the face of the earth. In other words, I want you to expand the borders of my house. We call it the, we call it the Eden Project. <laughs> I've got this Eden Project. It's called my, my throne room on earth. And, and, and how, why is that? Because I'm there with you, uh, and the, where God's, uh, God's will is taking place and his... Uh, his desires are taking place because they're living there together in the place of Eden. And they had the choice of all the fruits and vegetables and trees and all of the, all of the Garden of Eden. You know, the, we, many times the enemy in his distortion of our thoughts towards God, he makes God out to be some sort of criminal and some sort of greedy, greedy person. He gave them everything. 
and just said that one thing don't touch <laughs> because the only way to be blessed in everything is you got to keep the lordship in the proper place man didn't do that so man was expelled from that home why because they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil what was the temptation you can be as god how well has that worked out for us you can pick and choose your own truth you can define who you are you can say what you're going to do and it doesn't work out very well for us because we're not made to self-govern we're made to live in cohabitation with the living God resting upon the throne of our heart and he dictates what is best for us and we trust him because he knows what's best for us but now we went from a spiritual reality to a sensual governance where we are motivated and moved by what we feel because our nature has been altered. And the Lord said for man's own safety, they have to step outside of the garden because if they partake of the tree of life, they're going to be that condition for all of eternity. And I'm not going to have that because that's not why I created them. So they were expelled from the garden. And you think, well, the enemy won. No, the Lord's got another plan. Now, it wasn't quite evident in that plan because now all of a sudden, man is giving way to all of his emotions. Now, man is moving in a direction that, that is contrary to the will and purpose of God. God's not sitting on the throne of their heart. And what's happening? It's just over and over and over again. Sin just becomes more rampant and more rampant and more rampant and more rampant to the point that the Lord said, no, we're going to have to restart this thing. So what did the Lord do? He created a houseboat called the ark. And he took all of the, the seeds of Eden and he put it inside that ark. All the all the seeds of the animals two by two and, and all the clean animals of, of seven. And, and there were eight individuals that step in. And the Bible says that God closed the door. He closed the door. Well, see, he's still got a house on earth. And he's going to have a house on earth. Now, it's amazing to me as we look here, we see after they came out, years have taken place. Generation after generation, and now along comes Moses. The Lord said, now I'm going to extend my plan a little further. I'm going to build, I want you to build me a house, and it's going to look like the house in heaven. Come on up to the mountain. Get up here. You know, sometimes, folks, if you really want to know the will of God, you got to get away from the low places of, of everyday living. you got to ascend the mountain because God's inviting you to come on up to the mountain and, and get in that alone place with the Lord and just find out, Lord, what really is your will? What did you say in your word? How do you want me to build this? In fact, before you let that steam off again, before you step into that place of aggravation and frustration, take a breath and step over to the mountain and say, Lord, what would you say in this situation? And nine times out of ten, I found out it's contrary to what I want to do. But if you'll do that, 
Instead of destroying relationships, you'll start to build relationships. When you start walking and you begin to serve, hear this. When you stop serving, you start destroying. But when you start serving, you start restoring. So many of you have got fields that you don't want to, you're tired of the harvest, you're tired of what it produced, and you don't understand why the relationships are broken and why they're not being mended. Stop looking at it through that lens of selfishness and start serving those individuals and watch God begin to restore those relationships in his time according to his will. Amen? So we have here, skip forward a few generations and the home project has not been abandoned, but it's about to be elevated. I want you to build the tabernacle like the one in heaven and I want you to create it like we just talked about at the start of this service. I want you to create that house because the Lord's going to have a throne room on earth. And in the midst of that, the most holy furnishing that's going to be there is going to be, we could call and rightfully say, the throne of God, which is the Ark of the Covenant. Because the Lord said, that's where I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you right there. Now, it's interesting to me that there are two arks mentioned in the Word of God. Three, actually, but the third one is Moses in the little ark a basket and float him down the river we won't i won't talk about that one two arks in the word of god mentioned noah's ark and the ark of the covenant i submit to you that both of these represent jesus christ both of them noah's ark the ark of the covenant i'll prove to you either one in just a moment but as you look at that it's interesting to me See, because there's no, there's no safety in the world outside of Christ. We see in the midst of the chaos of the flood being poured out upon the earth, there was an ark of safety. And we know that the world is going to end according to what the Bible says. But we have an ark of safety. That's interesting to me, as you look at the first ark, Humanity was invited, everyone was to get into the ark. The New Testament tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It wasn't because God wanted to destroy humanity. They just would not enter into covenant with him. So only eight people entered in to that ark. Everyone was getting into the ark. But now we look ahead and what we see is God's got a plan and it still includes the ark. And that ark is an ark that's going to be in the house. See, everybody was getting into the ark of safety, but now God's going to put the ark inside of them. I'm going to wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Oh, it's dropping all over the place. So we see that there's a tabernacle built according to the pattern of heaven. It's meant to be the home of God. It's meant to be the place where God sits and abides. We're going to take that a little further, and there's going to be a permanent resident. It's going to be the temple that is in Jerusalem. 
And it's going to have the same furnishings as the tabernacle. It's going to be according to the pattern in heaven. And now you're going to have that Ark of the Covenant is still there. It's still in that place. And there we see that God is still meeting with Israel every atonement, every time the, the priest crossed through underneath uh, to get into that holies of holies. Uh, he finds himself in the presence of God. Uh, he finds himself in that place. Uh, but folks, uh, ultimately, Paul was giving us the revelation. He said, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> See, so our, we find out that when we step into Christ, Christ also steps into us. So you got the ark of safety where everyone enters in. One day, we, children of God, will step in to that ultimate place of safety. We will step into God's home. But if we've not made our heart his home, you can't make it over to that home. Hear me. Hear me. The only way you enter into God's home is he's got to enter into your home. The only way to get into the, to the presence of God for eternity is you've got to step, let the presence of God step into you eternally. You got to get to the place where you understand that God, I don't work. God doesn't work for me. I work for Him. And His plan is so much bigger and better than mine. But there is a home that God wants to take up residence, and it is my heart. The heart is where the home is. See how important it is for us to have a home and for God to have a home. And see, this new home. Now, I didn't, I didn't run this through scholarship. I didn't verify this through theologians. Never even thought about it until I got to looking at this message. But I've often wondered why well, Jesus walked on water. Well, you say, well, because he could. True. True. And this is just my theory like I said, I didn't run this through scholarship. I didn't ask any theologians. But the only thing floating that day when the wrath was poured out was that ark of safety. I got the good from the theologian. I'm going to keep going with it. So Jesus walks on water, not just because he could, just to let you know that he can step above the trials and the circumstance and the situation. And he's not just, Peter, you want, out, you, want, you want to walk with me? Get out of the boat <laughs> and let's walk on the water. Let's get out of the natural boat and walk in the spiritual boat because the ark that is, that is here right now, I am the ark of safety. And you are now, you can walk where I walk because now the ark of safety is with you and one day it's going to be in you. But now you can walk on the troubled seas of life and because of God's grace, you can do what you couldn't do before. Faith is my response to God. Grace is his response to me. Knock on his door. He opens up to grace. He puts grace in me and it empowers me to do what otherwise I could not do. So I believe the Lord walked on water just pointing all the way back to the ark of safety. Let me think, that's kind of a stretch. Not if you see him as Jesus. See, if you walk on the shore line of any ocean think about it 
The entire world is connected by water. Every landmass around the world is connected by water. And see, in Scripture, waters can represent a few things, but they represent peoples and nations. And see, it was the Lord Jesus that rose up out of the waters. Hmm? Well, in Elijah's day, it was, a, it was a cloud that rose. Point being this, you can't save yourself. You can't. It is an impossible situation for you to try to save yourself. The only recourse you have is to enter into that ark of safety named Jesus. And what happens is God takes his ark and now he puts the ark of the covenant inside of us. And now we walk in the authority of God, not because we're anything, because he has made everything in us. Amen? But see, where does it all begin? It begins in our heart. And in our heart, we allow God to come in. And we say, Lord, I need you to occupy the only place that you can rest, and that is the throne of my heart. And when he occupies the throne of our, my heart, now I don't face life alone. I'm not moving in a direction that continues to lead me to self-destruction if I'm listening to the voice of God. See, without him, I'm automatically self-destructing. I'm harming the relationships that I have. And as much as I would want to, I'm going to harm those in whom I care most about. And it's only when I allow him to rest upon the throne of my heart. And I make a home for him inside of me. Now I open my physical home to the Lord. Now, if we are fortunate enough to start out both on the same track, that's wonderful. But if your spouse is not in relationship with the Lord yet, don't give up on them just yet. You may be their only hope. You just continue to display the love of God before them because what's at stake is so much important and so much bigger than what you can even fathom or realize. See, because you may think my little part doesn't mean that much. If my family goes down, then what's the big deal? If your family goes down, then the next family goes down, and the next family goes down, and the next family goes down, and next thing you know, we've got a totally disrupted environment because the enemy is running rubshot, and he's destroying families by destroying children. And he began with the marriage with the husband and the wife. Family matters. You matter. Your children matter. See, when you begin to sow the seeds, you begin to educate your family. 
as to who. And see, God wants it in the house. He'll come into the heart of a child. He'll come into the heart of an adult. He'll come into the heart of anybody that will receive him because God wants his children to prosper. And it doesn't make any difference where you came from. It doesn't make any difference where you started. What matters is where you're going to end up. What matters is what you're going to do with what you have now. And your family matters. A little story of the sea turtles. One say starfish, others say sea turtles. I'm going to say sea turtles. I'm sorry, I forgot we were team teaching. Starfish, wash up on the shore. I like the turtle message better. Starfish and sea turtles, wash up on the shore. The seagulls come along, and the sea turtles are just barely moving. They can't get to the water fast enough. Starfish are just out there drying up. There's little boys on the seashore. He's picking up the, picked up a sea turtle first, throws it back in. He goes over and picks up a starfish, and he throws that one back in. He just keeps doing it. This old man's looking, and he's like, what are you doing, son? He said, well, I'm putting them back in the ocean where they'll be safe. He said, look at this shoreline. It's full of sea turtles and starfish. <laughs> They're just full of them. The sea turtles can't get back in time. <laughs> There's tears falling. He said, with all of this that's going on, what kind of difference do you really think you're going to make? I picked up a starfish in this hand and a sea turtle in that hand. <laughs> he throws it. He was ambidextrous, so he throws it with his left and with his right. The story just got better and better, didn't it? He said, well, it mattered to that one. And to that one. Your life doesn't matter? Are you devaluing me? Are you devaluing the one that you could reach? Are you devaluing the ministry of your children? I never was more angry in all of my life than when my father committed suicide. 14 years old. All I could think about this 14-year-old, well on my way of being an alcoholic and a drug addict like my dad. I'm so angry. I said, how could he be so selfish? Did he not know how much he mattered to me? See, that's all suicide is wanting to say to you. You don't matter. You matter to somebody. You matter to somebody. Your life is being watched by somebody. And you matter to them. And if you don't have anybody in the entirety of the world that cares about you, you have a Father in heaven who cares about you. And he is concerned with everything that's going on in your life. 
See, the enemy, despite the ability to love has been removed from him, he is the ultimate reprobate. There is no redemption in his future. There's only judgment and torture for all of eternity. And the only recourse he has, because he can't touch God, is to lash out at humanity and he'll start as young as possible to destroy the home and the children and try to convince that those persons don't matter and that the home is not going to make any difference. And he begins not with the masses but with the individuals. And he starts feeding the hearts of those and he, the very ones that he wants to destroy. He's doing it because of selfishness. Because he knows he cannot touch God. You matter. You matter. You matter. Your home matters. But we got to get to the place where we let the Lord sit upon the throne of our heart and let him decide who we are and what we will do. Never in a million years would I have chosen the path that God chose for me. To be a preacher? You've got to be kidding me. Only by God's grace. Because <laughs> without his favor, you'd see all my ugly. Mm. Just wait just a minute. I felt a just a pause from the Holy Spirit. There's been some deception in your heart and life. God's wanting to liberate you from that place of discouragement and doubt. Worship team, go ahead and make your way up, if you will. I want you to just bow your heads with me for just a few moments. Merciful God, merciful God, merciful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you bring us into the ark, God, because you want to put the ark in us. See, the Lord's desire is to meet with you. He wants you to know what he knows, feel what he feels. You guys go ahead and start playing whatever's going on. He wants to share life with you. He created in the Genesis. If you want to know where you're going, you got to know where you started. It started with a home. Extension of God's throne right there, man and woman, there on earth communing with God. Where are we going and where will we end up? We'll end up in God's home. 
What's the Lord want for you right now in the midst of your situation? He wants to make your heart his home so that one day you can go to his home. If you're in this house, I just feel with all of my heart, there's somebody in this house. You need to surrender to the Lord. You're at a place now and you, you, you walked into this house not even knowing what to expect. But you've come in here today and God knew you would be here. The very simplest terms he's saying to you, if you will open your heart, I will step in. If you will make me your Lord, I will be your Savior. I will put my authority, my love, my hope, my joy, my mercy will enter into you. You will not be who you came when you came in. But you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender your will to his will. You've got to surrender your past, your present, and your future. You can't serve him just to get stuff out of him. You've got to serve him because he's your Lord and he's your Savior. I just believe there's somebody who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. That there is a conviction on your heart right now. And you're saying, I'm ready to surrender to the Lord. I'm ready to step into a relationship. And just like we looked back earlier, I'm not going to look back anymore. I'm looking ahead because I want Jesus as my Lord. If that's you, as we stand across this room right now, I want you to step out. I want you to meet me right down here. Come on, stand up all across this room, all across this room. Say, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to surrender. Come on, everybody in this room, say, today is my day, today is my day, today is my day. Come on, step out, step out. I'm not going back, I'm not going back, I'm not letting go, I'm not, I'm not letting go, I'm going after God. I know that God's going to hold on to me. Come on, come on, come on, the Lord has orchestrated this, he's orchestrated this. Come on, step forward, Scott, a little bit. Come on. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, let's wait on him. Let's wait on him. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your grace and goodness. Thank you, Father, for your grace and goodness. Thank you, Father, for your grace and goodness. I want those of you in the altar, just look up here at me. Just look up here at me if you're able. Just look up here at me. Salvation comes from complete surrender. Just complete surrender. Just let it go. No matter what tomorrow you face tomorrow just let it go let it go just just fall into the arms of Christ the Bible tells us if we will confess our sins and accept him as our Lord that God will step into our heart come on come on just in your own words ask the Lord's forgiveness for your sins in your own words right now, just ask the Lord for forgiveness of your sins. And ask the Lord right now to be your Lord. To step into your heart. There's a prayer team that's coming. And folks, I just want you to be sensitive to the Spirit this morning. Just walk up and just lay a hand on the shoulder. Let them know you're praying with them. I'm going to come by. Andrew's going to come by. We're going to pray with you today. But I want you right now just to surrender your life to the Lord. God's going to do what God is more than able to do. If you will surrender, if you will give up right now, come on, come on.